0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Hey, this is John Spear, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.guru. Yeah, that's right. We've got another awesome Podcast. This time we had Matt Romy. Matt is with Azure Consulting and he's a 20 year veteran of the Med Device, 20 plus year veteran of the Med Device industry. Matt's been a part of a lot of startups and he's worked for a lot of big companies. So there's a lot of things that he's seen throughout that twenty plus year career. He's been very focused on design controls. He's had some experiences that, well, frankly, if you're a startup, you're gonna want to talk to a guy like Matt. Matt and I, in this podcast, we we spend some time about design controls, but we focus on the number one tip for capturing your design controls. And it has to do with the design inputs. So listen to this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast and learn how important those design inputs are to the success or the failure of your project. Hello,
1: this is John Spear, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, and welcome to this exciting episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Today, I have another exciting guest. Yes, that's right. Greenlight Guru. we find the best in the world who are dealing with medical device issues and opportunities to help bring new exciting products and technologies to patients all around the world. Today, I've got Matt Romy. Matt is a project manager at Azure Consulting focusing on providing quality and engineering services to the medical device industry. Matt has over 20 years of hands-on experience in every stage of medical device product development, from technology research to development, manufacturing, clinical trials, and product launch. Matt is able to leverage his experience to guide his clients through the product development cycle. He is a strong proponent of design controls, having seen firsthand how the degree to which companies are diligent in implementing design control methods can make or break a project. Before Azure, Matt was the founding employee and member of the leadership team at Glumetrics, a startup company dedicated to the development and manufacture of a continuous glucose monitor intended for use in the ICU. Before Glumetrics, Matt worked at R&D at Terumo and 3M, developing and bringing to market monitoring devices intended for use during cardiovascular surgery. Azure Consulting an Azure Group Company is a GXP-compliance and consulting organization dedicated to helping life science and medical device companies succeed. Their experienced staff specializes in manufacturing systems and equipment design, installation and startup commissioning and verification qualification, computerized systems validation, and process validation. Azure Consulting also offers GXP-compliance and audit services related to regulatory inspection prep and inspectional finding remediation, as well as general project management support. Matt, after reading that, going through your background and as we're consulting, I am I'm thrilled to have you as a guest today. Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thank you, John, and thanks for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. the the the, the thrill is all mine. I mean, you and I have known each other. I don't remember when we first met, but I know we've we've talked quite a bit and collaborated on a few things here and there. and And I know there's one thing for sure, and that one thing that you and I share is is a passion for design controls and a passion for bringing new technologies to market.
2: Yeah, uh, I agree. We have talked before about this extensively over the phone, and I think we have similar philosophies. You know, my my adage has always been that design controls are, yes, a regulatory requirement by law, but they also represent good business by implementing the best engineering practices. Um,
1: Right, right. And, and I, you know, in going through your, your overview, uh, the, the thing that stuck out to me going through that is the degree in which companies are diligent in implementing design control methods can make or break a project. Yes. You know, one company I had on my wall, taped to my wall,
2: a big blow up of a line from the FDA guidance document for design controls. Yes. And it was, it went, it went like this. It says, It is a well-established fact that the cost to correct design errors is lower when errors are detected early in the design and development process. Yeah. To me, that really sums up why it's good business practice to implement design controls appropriately. Because as we all know, time is money, and the mistakes you make now can take lots of money to fix later. So it's better to find them early.
1: Yeah, I, I'm reminded of of uh, a rule. I don't know if this is exactly what the rules call, but but I in my head I always refer to it as the one ten one hundred rule. And that's where if you fix something during early in the design process, it may cost you a dollar to fix, and then a little bit later in the process will be ten dollars to fix, and then once you know you get into production, a hundred dollars. I realize one ten one hundred probably isn't the right scale for for med device, but basically the the, the adage of the rule is. As you get later and later in the process, the cost to address something builds up exponentially.
2: That's absolutely correct, and um, a lot of times that is a result of having gone so far down the the development process that to change even one thing has ripple effects through every part of the of the, of the project and the product. So, you know, finding things early. Can really you know help compartmentalize the the remediations you have to do to uh, yeah. get back on track.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm sure uh, we all have war stories. I mean, when you've been doing this for as long as you or as long as as I have been doing a medical device try to development. I mean, we, sometimes we we like to remember the successes, but sometimes the things that that stick out the most to us are some of the times that didn't go so well. I, I'm sure you have a list of those, right, Matt? Yeah, I do um,
2: I generalize, so let me do that.
1: Yeah, I'm not, uh-huh. I don't, I'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I generalize. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, you know, our, our audience, they're, they're hungry for, for tidbits and, and tips and pointers and anything that they can do now that's going to make their life a little bit easier. I mean, I think, I think when we talk about things like design control, it's really easy to think, oh, I'll get to that stuff later. I'm going to build a prototype now. Prototypes are fun. They're sexy. They're exciting. Creating documents for user needs and in design inputs, that's boring. Why do I need to mess with that, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I know that a lot of engineers think it's just a bunch of paperwork. Um, but I always think, you know, if you get a plane to, to fly somewhere, would you want to know that the engineer that designed that plane said, you know, this is just a bunch of paperwork when, you know, all the documentation <laughs> you did to design the plane? No, what I want to know is that. <laughs> Is that they designed it correctly and from you know from the very beginning. So you know, going to what you said earlier, I think you know I want to touch on one uh, aspect of of kind of a classic startup company problem is like when do you start really implementing design controls? Because as we know, you know, if you have an idea and you're really bootstrapping, of course you're going to end up you know in your garage or or however it may be in a lab somewhere creating a crude prototype before you start doing lots of design control activities. Right, right. Just to at least get some data to get money from your friends or family or wherever you get it. So the question is when do you start and to what level and when do you start ramping that up? It's right. a difficult question to answer. Do you have experience with that?
1: Yeah, I do and and you know I've I've got the experience from both the, the big company and the small company and I, I would say Regardless of size of the company, there's this, I think it's a bit of a misnomer, but there's this conventional wisdom that, that seems to prevail. And the conventional wisdom that I've, I've observed is there's fear about creating design control documentation too early because the, uh, it may become cumbersome and I may need to change it and I may need to update it and, and so on. And my reaction to that is exactly, exactly. That's the whole idea. You know, the documentation, <laughs> the things you write down are, intended to be a way to communicate to your team what's happening and what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I agree. And um so uh another kind of problem that, that tends to happen is that you know you sometimes tend to move from when you're in a startup mode, move from one investment milestone to the next. Yes. Um and a lot of times the project plan and the and schedule are set according to the kind of investment schedule instead of the product development schedule. Right.
1: Yeah. Like get your so, 510K now and then worry about the design later. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, go,
2: go show me data. Right. Well, yeah. then you have now poor review of design inputs. You sometimes straight jump straight to quote unquote validation uh, with a prototype device, which for some things are not possible. Uh, in class three devices, that's not really doesn't happen yeah. very often, but with things. That are less complicated. Um, you know, you can go into the field with something that's, you know, not a hundred percent. So those kinds of pressures can create shortcuts in the design control process. And what I find, especially when you're in a startup mode, that's when money really is critical. That's mm-hmm. where time really costs money. And, and that's the least you, could, that's what you uh, can us not afford to lose is, is, you know, two or three months to redesign some aspect of the, of the proj- product because right. um, you didn't think of some design inputs or you didn't do the, the risk analysis correctly and you overlooked something.
1: Yeah, but but Matt, I want to get to my animal study. I want to get to my first... Man, I mean, I, I, I can hear the, the, the objections right away. I'm, I'm sure, you know, that that, you know, that you've heard those same objections, right? Right, exactly.
2: Because, you know, they're not going to give you money until they see some confidence and I right. understand the push and pull. I really do. Yeah. There's both the two sides to the story, but, um, as yeah. engineers and managers of, um, mm-hmm. uh, for these product development projects, it's up to us to reflect a culture and kind of make sure that it's communicated that this is the correct way to do it. And this will save us money in the end. And we're on, we are on track because here's our project plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh- so, let's talk a little bit because you know, one image that that's out there and and often uh shared when we talk about things like product development process or design controls is that classic waterfall diagram that that you can find in in the f d a design control guidance document, and you know, it shows that it's a nice linear Progression from user needs to design inputs to design outputs and then design verification, prove your output meet your input, and design validation, prove your product meets your user needs, and then there are design reviews sprinkled in there. So that, that's kind of that classic image. Uh, anybody that's been through medical device product development at least a time or two probably has that uh, drilled in or burned into their, their brain. They, they instantly can see that image that, that I just described. let's talk a little bit about that, because that that always, and the way a lot of product development processes are always described are very linear, and and you and I are talking about the importance of laying that foundation, capturing your user needs and your design inputs early in the project, you know, coinciding with your prototyping and proof-of-concept work, but laying that foundation before you get too far down the path, okay? So if it's laid out linearly in all these processes and in that waterfall diagram, I mean, what that doesn't seem to be how product development really works. It doesn't seem to be really how design control works. So do you have some experience in how to try to keep that managed in a way that's flexible, that allows, you know, some things to progress faster than others on a project?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, well, for, I, for one, have always found that waterfall diagram a little kind of confusing. Um, it, it, to me, it doesn't totally, it doesn't totally describe, in, in my mind, the process. I mean, right. it does in a way, but, but it, it just, to me, it's much more kind of, you know, what's the word? Um, not quite as linear as that, right? So, right. Right. so, you know, the, what it kind of doesn't describe is that, yes, you have user needs. You get those from your customer mm-hmm. and you need to identify those and you need to kind of source them and make sure that they're justified. And, the design inputs, I think, are the thing, the thing that people really get confused about. Um Design inputs and design outputs and verification, because design inputs really should be a, a translation of your user needs to yes. some sort of engineering specification that it can be measurable. Yes. And the verification ends up being, okay, now I can go and measure to that and say yes or no, I met. it. So when you talk about things aren't necessarily linear, what it means is that, when you create that design specification or design input, you have to look forward ahead to design verification, for instance. Will I pass? Do I have a test method that can test this? Right? <laughs> right? I might
1: no, want totally. to create
2: it this way, but <laughs> if I can't test it, I'll fail design verification. Yeah. Another example is you can have too many user needs, right? Because user needs... When you go to validation, uh, validations, for validation, you go back to the user. Well, if you have a hundred user needs, are you really going to go and validate with the users all hundred of those with a questionnaire or, right. or whatever? So think carefully about how you craft those, uh, the user needs and the design um, uh, inputs, making sure that you're going to pass design verification and design validation. Also, especially with design inputs, a lot of times there's testing involved. And I know that I saw a blog post where you said where it's not always about testing. And that's true. Right. Right. But, um, a lot yeah. of times it is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to make sure you can test it and you need to make sure that your test can be validated because you're supposed to validate that test before you do design verification.
1: Yeah. But
2: those are the things you need to think about as you're crafting those in those inputs.
1: Yeah, and I, so that's and what, you, that's where yeah, it becomes just,
2: non-linear. It's like you have to yeah. look oh, ahead yeah. the time.
1: Yeah, and you just, you just painted a very good picture, and, and I and and you know from your description, I think we can come up with a, a few key tips that that anybody that's going through this product development process for med device, whether the first time or the thousandth time, I think you and I can provide a, a few key tips uh, here today to be able to to you know kind of the take home message. You know, the first tip that I have, and and you said it. Very, very well. Those design inputs for your, your product. My opinion, it's the most important thing that you do during the entire development process. And you said it very well, and here's why. Because how well I do define those design inputs will determine how easy, difficult, or possible even it is to verify that my outputs meet my inputs. You know, and like you said, testing is a big part of verification not the only option, but most things you can only run some sort of test to be able to prove that your product meets those design inputs. So design inputs are the most important. That's that's one thing that always sticks out to me, and and it's worse. I mean, I read something once where it should take like 30% of your overall project timeline to actually define good design inputs.
2: Yeah, I believe that's from the FDA guidance document.
1: I was was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a key tip is focus on those design inputs. And I, and I like where you're going with that, you know, being able to, you got to think nonlinear. You got to think like almost three, four steps ahead at times. And then you're going to be able to kind of see into the future and then bring this, that future back to present day and figure out, okay, well, how am I going to prove this? And I think, you know, that's a key aspect of a design input. And I remember one of the first projects that I had, I didn't, I didn't fully grasp what we're talking about today. And I wrote really what I thought were really good design inputs. Well, they were really good at the design input stage of a project. They sucked when we got to design verification. When I started going through how I'm gonna how I'm gonna prove it, I don't know how to prove it. I mean, it's possible, but I'm gonna have to to build three million units and run a statistical variation and a design of experiment. Well, you know, all those sorts of complicated processes. And I realized very quickly. After a project or so, the value of understanding that verification piece when I'm defining those design inputs.
2: Yeah, and I also think that this really highlights where management can come in, because as you know, a lot of times engineers and marketing people don't get along so well. At least that's kind of the the, the stereotype.
1: Yeah, right. Um,
2: but I, you know, I think it's up to management to make sure that that relationship is a positive one, because because right. what you don't want to happen is to have marketing come and say we need this. Right, and the engineer crafts a, a user needing a design input for it, but it's never going to pass the design verification. Well, they need to push back and say, "Well, you needed to rethink that, or right. we need to change the design to if you really need it, we need to change the design so that we will pass and there needs to be a positive communication between the marketing group which is usually what kind of represents what the customer wants. Right, and the engineers would say, "Look, this is possible, and this is not." Right.
1: Yeah, to say somebody's got to play that role of translator too, right? And that's where you're you're yeah. saying that the, that the executive management or project manager or somebody has to serve as as here's what marketing's asking for, and be able to translate that into engineering, and then take what engineering's saying and put it in the terms of marketing. Right. Yeah, and
2: going back to to what you did, your your other tip from before, I think um you know making sure you translate your design inputs correctly and don't overstep and don't overbounds. Um, I think yeah. it's really important that people understand what the process really is. And I'm really surprised sometimes when I go out in the field and how many engineers don't really totally understand the whole process.
1: Yeah.
2: And if they don't understand it, then they're going to have problems when they go to do verification and validation.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's why it really helps to have you know. Tools like, you know, Greenlight Guru and also having people come in who have done this before to help guide you along and make sure that, that you don't make those mistakes and you can craft your inputs correctly. Yeah, that's another tip that I would give. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so Matt, you know, we've covered quite a bit of ground today. I think, you know, we both, the the, the key tip I think that, that we both, you know, kind of center our focus around today is is how important those design inputs are. And I want you to, to tell me a little bit about how you get engaged with companies and, and what your target customer or med device company looks like and, and how they work with you and Azure Consulting. Can you can you share a little bit of, of words about that? Sure.
2: With Azure Consulting, as you heard in the beginning, um, we have over 200 engineers across the country, and we specialize in lots of areas, you know, life sciences, uh, some, a lot of pharmaceutical, um, medical devices. So I'm, I re- kind of represent medical devices, especially out here in the West Coast. And, um, my expertise is mostly in, in the, in the design side, but, uh, um, I also, you know, can help with, we also have engineers who can help with manufacturing and process development, you know, cleaner facility qualifications everything. But when I interact with clients on design control issues, um, it really depends on the kind of the size of the company. Um large companies uh, usually have methods in place and a lot of times they have quality engineers who are who are you know compliant with that. But they still need help when especially when it comes to um test method development and and test method validation. And sometimes it's just about bodies. You know, they don't have enough. There's usually crunch times that happen. When you go to do your design verification, <laughs> yep. it's like, all right, we got 20 test methods we need to validate. Because they're all new because it's a new product. And who's going to do it? Well, that's something Azure can do. We can come in on a project basis.
1: I was going to say, you're, you're probably super busy this time of year. Uh, I know it's uh, it's uh, December. and. And some people start thinking about shutting down and Christmas break and all that sort of thing. I mean, my, my kids have already reminded me how many days it is to Christmas and how many days they have left in school this year and all that sort of thing. But I can imagine a company like yours is very, very busy because a lot of companies have their year-end objective to get their 510K into the FDA before you know 1231, 2015. I, I was there a couple of years ago. I had to get get a 510K delivered to the FDA. So I can imagine you're, you're pretty busy this time of year. Yeah, we can be very
2: busy this time of year. And, uh, we also, it's also sometimes a time when, uh, when they should to do requalification. So a lot of times our engineers work on uh-huh. you know, holidays
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> when, <laughs> when everybody else is on vacation. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Matt, I appreciate you taking time to, to be our guest on the global medical device podcast today for people that are interested in, in learning more about how you can help them. With their design control woes, especially in areas of test methods and test method validation. What's the best way to get a hold of you?
2: Well, you can visit uh, our website, azure.com. And that's A Z Z
1: U R, by the way.
2: A Z Z U R, yeah. with an O-E at the end. Yeah. And then I can, well, you can reach out to John to get my email as well. Yeah.
1: And as well, I'm Matt, Matt, they can probably find you on LinkedIn. Matt Romy, R O M E Y, look him up. He's a good-looking dude. He's got lots of experience, and, and uh, he's been through med device startups, some that have gone better than others. So I'm sure if you want to find out some of the mistakes that that he's been a part of, and uh, the prior lives, and, and some of the, the management errors that the teams he worked with, and the mistakes that he saw coming years, um, well, at least months, maybe not years, but long before they happened, uh, he can certainly be a great person for you to talk to because. He can help you see that now because he's, he's been there. He's done that. He's one of those kind of guys. So Matt Romy, Azure Consulting. Hey, this is John Spear. Again, founder and VP of quality and regulatory of greenlight.guru. And you should check us out. Go to greenlight.guru. Yes, that is our domain name. No.com.guru. G-U-R-U. And you can download all kinds of podcasts on design controls and risk management. You can also check out our blog. We have some Wonderful content pieces, things like the Ultimate Guide to Design Control, the Definitive Guide to ISO 14971 Risk Management. And be sure to send me a note and let me know what other topics you'd like to hear about. Again, this has been John Spear, and this has been the Global Medical Device Podcast.